Hi, my name's Dave Linton from Madlog, Make a Difference Luggage, and you are listening to Best of Belfast. Well guys, what's the crack? Matthew here with the Best of Belfast podcast, episode number 10. It's hard to believe that we've done 10 of these already, but I'm having a great time. I hope you're enjoying the show too. And most importantly, we've had such fun sitting down with all the local legends and telling their story. We've got some great stories lined up for you guys, and that includes today's guest, David Linton, the founder of Madlug. Madlug is the only one-for-one luggage company in the whole world. What that basically means is anytime someone buys a Madlug bag, they give another bag to someone in the care system who needs it. Why do kids in care need bags? Do they really need them? Is there not a budget for that already? I'll let Dave answer those questions along with his amazing story of how he founded Madlug, how he had lunch with Richard Branson, and how a youth worker became the CEO and founder of a social enterprise. Before we jump into today's show, I have one small favour to ask you guys. If you enjoy the show in any way at all and you listen to it on iTunes I would really appreciate it if you could give us a review and leave us some feedback along with maybe some other people that you'd like us to get on the show this really really helps other people to find the show it helps the show to grow and I would really appreciate it plus if you could send it to a friend or a family member who you think would really enjoy hearing the local stories that would be really really great too that's it from me if you want to find a written version of the show bestofbelfast.org. You can find pictures, photos, links of everything we end up talking about today. But for now, it's time to jump into the show, hear from Dave, and I think you guys are really going to love it. Check it out. All right, David, what's the crack? Not too bad. Not too bad, Matthew. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. I really, really do. No problem. So the question we always like to sort of spring on our guests when they first come on the show, and I imagine you'll be able to tackle it pretty well because of your experience now with pitching, Um, but we always say, what if you were to walk into, let's say, an elevator in Castle Court, and you walked in there, and Liam Neeson was standing there, and he turns to you and he says, tell me a wee bit about yourself. What would your response be? Well, I would start with my pitch, which is 90,000 children in the care system in the UK. One child enters the care system every 20 minutes, and many of those children are carrying their lives in bin bags. And I would introduce them my name on the back of, of those facts, because that's what makes me tick in bringing solutions to the problem of bin bags being used in the care system. So that's what you've just said, makes you tick. Why does that make you tick? Out of all the sort of causes that are floating around and there's many worthwhile things one could dedicate their lives to what is it about this that really does make you tick i think for me the the whole um issue is i really believe in children and young people i've been 22 years a youth worker i believe that young people are incredible um every child the fact that they breathe every young person the fact that they breathe have value worth and the right to live with dignity and and even more so those who actually not by any of their own fault have ended up in a system that they often feel lost in. So I want to stand and shout about that because they have huge value, worth and dignity. They are incredible and I really want to make a difference in their lives. Tell me a wee bit about 
your the luggage itself what types of bags do you sell is it just backpacks or so we have um just your standard backpacks um our whole story is not to be innovative in design but innovative in story so we we stay to classic designs that is being used by most brands out there and because with that that helps us in build this we know that people want that need that and are buying that so the difference is with us, they choose a Madlow brand over a, another brand um, that's in the market. And um, so we have backpacks, we have um, classic gym bags, like, um, and we have laptop bags, um, travel backpacks that are like suitcase sizes that you can put a, the detachable backpack straps for the, the city break that maybe doesn't want to be pulling a wheeled suitcase through the, through the city. Um, and we have um, suitcases and we're always looking where, we, you know, once a company becomes stale and its product, it's it's lost the edge. And so for us, it's always there. How do we bring new product, new design, new colors um, to the marketplace so that we can generate more funds to give bags? And that's continually what we what we do. And that's why I love the creativity of that is is brilliant um, rather than just asking people for money. And how are your bags made? This year, we moved our classic range, which is the classic backpack, the classic gym bag, and the classic laptop bag. And we moved that to being made in Belfast by a company who have been around from 1962. They have been making bags for the ambulance services, the police service, mountain rescue. and um, But what really excites us about that partnership and making that happen is that they give supported employment to people with disabilities and so not only is our bags giving bags to kids in care not only are we telling a story that we care and and all the stuff that goes with that we're getting the opportunity to support people with disabilities and health related conditions here right in the city centre of Belfast so that excites me obviously we can't bring our whole production line to that because there's capacity um, issues and, and all of the stuff, the complexities of bringing product to market. But we're excited to be doing that. And in particular, we, we see a market growing for, um, the, the commercial, the, the corporate world of people having their, their work bags and their branded work bags. Having the manufacturer in Belfast enables us to be able to do that with small runs and to give a bit of customization. So not only is the consumer on the street, um, get involved in the Madlog story, but the corporate company who give their employees bags and and their and their customers gifts, we can start to have those bags make a difference and provide more bags to kids in care and also tell the story. You say 22 years as a youth worker? Yeah, that's right. Unbelievable. How did that come about? Were you always passionate about young people or did that sort of just... I've, I've always been really interested in, in being involved in youth work. I have always been in that place of helping others. So when I was a young person, I was always about the one encouraging um, other young people who were on the edges, those who weren't maybe part of our group, bringing them into our group. And I always had a desire to be part of um, youth groups within within churches that I was in. Um, 
then I left school with this ambition to be an architect, but didn't get enough qualifications <laughs> and ended up with a, in a, as an architectural technician until a recession hit and I ended up losing my job. Um, long story short, I ended up getting an op- opportunity to do youth work, um, in North Belfast. And that's where it really started. And I was there for, um, around 22 years, took a wee bit of time out of that to, to go and study a little bit, but mainly doing youth work because, and I've grown to really love youth work and young people. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I got into it there, Matthew. So for those 22 years, you were working in North Belfast. Where are you from originally? Where were you, where'd you kind of grow up? I grew up in Newton Abbey, but I wasn't working there in North Belfast for 22 years. I, I worked um, there for two years, then I went to England for a number of years. Then I came back and did a little bit of youth consultancy, helping other groups with strategy, vision, and and learned a little bit about how to, to run and grow organization side of youth work. Got a little bit bored with that because I felt I was becoming idealistic, I you know, textbook, and I felt I needed to go back and be a hands-on delivering youth program um, at a local level. And so that led me into a further 10 years of actually growing um, program and, and engaging with young people in two contexts, one in Belfast and one just in the outside of Lurgan. Brilliant. And what do you think are the biggest challenges that people hands-on like you were working with young people face? I, th- I think the biggest the biggest challenge that the, those working with young people um, face is there's a lack of resource. So you've got to be innovative at all those levels. So um, youth, young people have been in many ways unpopular. They've always been the, the layabouts. I mean, that's how teenagers came about years and years and years ago. It was when they there wasn't enough work for them to naturally move into to work in life at a teenage year. They they then created this kind of hangout, hanging corners, nothing to do. And so they the stigma that goes with young people is that that they're trouble, that they're they're up to no good or they're lazy, and um, and so people get less excited about that. Um, and then there's a few people who are excited. But then need the resource to do that. So, but so that creates in the positive side as most youth workers and the most innovative people I know. And I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if I hadn't have had those challenges of being the designer, the graphic designer, the videographer, the 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 person up front, the person who's sitting listening to a young person and doing all of that stuff because that's what you had to do with the lack of resources that we had. And what do you think about the media's portrayal of young people 2017? I think a lot of it is wrong um, in that we we write off young people before we get to know young people. So even the toughest young people um, that I meet, um, they it blows me away that when you give them time, they listen to you, they engage with you, they are not rude, they they actually want to be listened to and be part of um, of society. But often we've wrote them off as as trouble, and um, and then we celebrate only a few. Those who are maybe high flyers are going to do the the more prestigious parts of of society in the future, um, and so yeah, I just want to change that. And I spent twenty two years trying to change that. Now I want to do that within the care system, which I think even the stigma is even greater. Um, so that's. Yeah, and those statistics you gave at the start, were they um, specific to Northern Ireland or UK as a whole? So they, they're UK as a whole. In Northern Ireland, there's just under 3,000 children in care. You go into the south of Ireland, there's a further 6,000. 
And um, in Northern Ireland, there's around about three children enter the care system and three leave it every day. And that's not including those who are moving within it. So in any one day, you have six moves in and out in total and then the moves from placement to a new placement or a respite placement or a children's home that's all going on so it's quite it's quite a for the size of our little country here it's quite um big and um, a lot of moves six moves a day that's actually it's more than i thought there would have been um what is some of the issues or the challenges that um kids in care are facing on those moves in those periods of transition well uh, the biggest, the biggest thing that a child in care, I believe, and I don't want to tell their story because it's their story. So I'm not a person to tell their story. From what I am, I'm told by by them and people who are working more at the grassroots with children in care, it's it's other people making decisions without involving them is a big big one. So they they suddenly go from having a breakdown that an adult has let them down often. Then they're brought into this system that everyone else controls and talks about their lives and creates a file on them that they don't get to see until they leave. And so then there's this feeling of they're just an object. There's no value there. They also feel lost often in the, in the care system and, and even don't feel part of it. So even those who are in great foster placements will say that they don't realize how great the foster placement was until they've become adults and look back into it when they've been invited back to the house, when there hasn't been a sense of it's your job as a foster carer, but the foster carers have invited them back after uni or after their placement breaks down or after they've, they've come out of supported um, housing, that's when it really makes a difference. Um, but often when they're in foster homes or when they're in children's homes, they feel a sense of loss and they feel like an object and they feel that people are doing it because they're either getting paid or because it's all about them. And um, that's that's the stuff that, that I, I feel it's a lot of it's unheard of. A lot of this, um, I mean, I'm really passionate about the under 18 age bracket where there's not a lot said we don't we actually struggle a lot of times to tell a story because we don't young people in care are quite protected but then a lot of the issues go unhidden so we're really seeing ourselves as a educational process to bring some of the issues to the forefront and to shout out that these children are incredible and how does madlug a luggage company come into all of this it's quite simple is that madlug initially just was set up because I heard the story of black bin bags and felt I've got to fix that. And I remember leaving the, 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 the course I was doing when that came out and thinking, how can I fix it? Well, I'll go and get friends who, um, friends who have got bags in their house. I had young people in the, in the youth group that I was leading would have had spare pieces of luggage and their wristbases and so forth that we could collect that. But the more and more I re- researched this, this issue of black bin bags is a global issue. And I knew that we could maybe scratch the surface here in a, in a Belfast context or in a Lurgan Southern context. But, but to actually deal with the real issue, we needed something that was a sustainable funding model. And, um, and it couldn't be done with just donations. Plus, it was also a sense of, I, I couldn't get past, the more I thought about it too, that these children have value and worth. They, they have the right to a new bag, not a, a second hand. They, we need to be saying, you are as important as I am. And, and I want a new bag, so why can't you have a new bag? So there was that going on, and how then we get new bags. So, so Madlug started with that 1am, and it still is at the core of what we're about. 
But as we've grown Madlog, we've grown this brand that we've seen develop into um, people wearing it with pride, people wanting to, to carry a Madlog bag. And so we're very clear that actually now that brand is actually communicating to children in care that you're not forgotten about, we care about you. And so there's as much of a, a real impact in that world whenever we can say, you know, if you see a mad log bag, we tell young people in care this, if, if, if you see a mad log bag being worn, that person is saying to you that we care about you. And so that's the whole thing that we didn't start off, but it's the innovation within our our model and it's what's growing within the model as we journey step by step to make this into being a local brand and a global brand of luggage where people make choices to buy Mad Lug, not because they want to take on an outdoor pursuits thing or an identity that brands generally, but taking on the, the brand identity that we care and that young people in care are incredible and we believe in them. So what you're describing sounds more like a movement than a for-profit company is that fair to say uh, we 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 are 100 percent a movement and and the reason being is that the true heroes of the story of madlog is not me or any of the team that work with us the true heroes of our story is those who purchase the bags and so that's a movement taking and making a choice of your purchase join is joining a movement that says we care and that's the true heroes. That provides the solution to then provide the new bags. So that not only are we communicating this through the brand, but we are communicating this through the giving, which fuels us. And um, that that is really how we 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 do it. That movement of people, movement of incredible people buying quality and incredible products, so that incredible children in care can carry their lives with dignity. That's our movement. Um, walk me through sort of what the ripple effect is. Let's say me as a customer, I go onto your website, I buy myself a great new bag. What happens from that point? It's a great question. Um, the the steps to purchase is, you know, we, we are still a very young business, so we're always trying to improve how we do this. But to date, the way, the way it works for us is um, you, you come on online, you buy a bag, and we encourage you only to buy a bag if you're prepared to wear it. You know, it's it's cheaper to, to donate three bags on our site and just gift bags than it is to buy a bag and not wear it because that has greater impact. And do you have the option on your website just to buy Absolutely. bags? Absolutely. We have at the bottom of our site, so we don't want to confuse our, we're not a, we, we don't want to try and play the charity card. So we want to, we want to be a bag company that sells bags to make a difference. But we also are aware that actually you've bought one bag, you don't need another bag, hopefully for a few years, um, unless you choose to give those as gifts at certain times of the year. So we have put at the bottom of our website, just gift a bag. And that allows people to give one bag, 10 pounds or two bags, 20 pounds and so forth. But the pro- to answer your question, the process is you buy a bag. What that means is then the f- in, in your purchase, the funds are there so we can give a bag. When we started out, we didn't have any connections with health trusts, charities, local authorities. In, in Northern Ireland, we have access to all of the health trusts and we have been able to give bags into those health trusts. So the bags then are given to health trusts 
that have been generated from your purchase and and they're given primarily to social workers who then pass them to young people. We we purposely have a cost of £10 on the bag because that's what it kind of costs. And when we give the bags for free, we send an invoice to the health trust or to the charity with the full amount and a discount at 100% so that we show the end user, the social workers, the health trust of the value of product that they're getting. So there's a bit of accountability in that. And um, and it also means that they take a bit more responsibility than just free stuff that they have no, no recognition of that. The idea is then that that is then taken to young people in the care system and those who are entering the care system and those who are leaving. So it's one, one example of this being used is um, there was a social worker fed back to us that they went prepared to a breakdown. Uh, a mum was standing with, the, with the, the son and the son was being taken into care. And uh, the social worker had said that bringing the bag made a difficult situation a little better because it came, there was a sense of coming prepared. And, and bringing the bag helped the young person move because it removed the, the potential of a bin bag being used. But something that, that hadn't even crossed my mind until I got this was the journey from the front door to the car when you've got nosy neighbours. And so the bag actually being given by a social worker, coming prepared, meant that that child could leave the house with dignity and the nosy neighbours were not going there he's been taken into care. So there's so there's a whole lot of stuff. So that's a process. You buy a bag, we give a bag, we have a request form. We've we've moved in the last six months to requesting through our our website. Um, we have a request form for children in care, young people in care to request their own bag. We have a um, request form there for foster carers and we have now got request form for local authorities and charities. And so that's how we direct things now. And that allows us to get a little bit more information and to be more accountable in how we give these bags. If I buy a gym bag, does a child in care receive a gym bag or is it like a one for one or what way does that work? Um, so, so the, the answer to your question, the, 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 we get asked this often is that do they get a gym bag? Do they get a backpack, a messenger bag? Whenever we started out, we sat down with a group of young people in care and we said, what kind of bag is needed? We started, we tested our whole idea concept. So we, we worked with the Invest NI to look at the concept of our business and the whole business model. Then we looked at, we worked with young people in care to test the concept from the giving perspective. And some of the feedback that came back was they didn't often have a lot of space for suitcases, that um, often they had a sock drawer and a a wardrobe and no room in in the houses they were staying or in the homes they were staying. Um, They talked about the time when it was most needed. And so at the leave-in was was having local trusts, children's homes, equipped so that whenever they were leaving they could have a bag and also um, whenever they were entering so we needed something that was compact so we had, we got that from them when we sat down and said look what are what's this other things that we need and one of the things that they said it's taken us a year and a half to get to this level is they wanted value worth dignity on the bags so we've we've worked um, at getting your incredible value worth dignity and it goes in the inside of a bag when it's folded, so it's a pack-away bag we use, 
And whenever the pack, it's packed up into the pack away version, it's got the you're incredible. So there's no stigma when the bag's being used. Nobody will say, oh, there's a, there's a care kid or a care young person. It's just a plain bag. But when it's folded up, it's got that you're incredible value worth dignity. So we have co-designed our giving bags with um, using the young people's involvement and also with some of the complexity. Will we stick to that? We, we, we possibly will grow other bags that we give as we see need for. So we're not limited to that. But at the minute, that's how we do it. You give a bag and we keep the one standard bag as the giving bag. And we've been able to give nearly 2,000 of those to date um, and and that's growing um, monthly on how we, many we're able to give. Brilliant. This might sound like a, an obvious question, but does the health trust not have a budget for bags or do they not have any bags they can give the kids in care of themselves? That, I've been asked that a number of times um, too, is that the traditional way of solving problems is that you, the, the, the traditional route is that you find a problem and then you go to the the people who shouldn't have the problem and you say, look, we have a charity, will you fund it? And that's the traditional route. The, the, when I set up Madlug, I realized that funding is tight and there is there is many, many things pressing for budget, even in the health service. We, you know, we, we know that, we can see it, we experience that. So if I had gone with, here's a problem and it, and, and the to go back a little stage, there was policy in place in the last 10 years, policy and legislation that says no child should, um, our children should carry appropriate bags. Some some stuff was on foster carers providing bags, but there's a whole lot of stuff that was policy driven and then came to an end. So, and it wasn't delivered on and it's got, it's got weaker as the years have gone past and new things have pressed for new policies. So if I had gone to the health trust and said, here's a, Here's a, a solution, um, or here's here's a need. Will you provide this? They would say it's not happening because they wouldn't have wanted the bad press in that. But actually, by coming to them and saying like we celebrate you because we're all about value, worth, dignity. So it's not about just children, and then we'll shout and fall out with everybody around us. We'll treat everybody with that value: foster care, social workers, senior managers, directors. So we go to them and we say, actually, we really appreciate what you're doing. We believe that you're on the same page as us, that children shouldn't carry their lives in bin bags. We believe that they, we know that you also believe that they have value, worth, dignity. So we have a solution to be able to help you. It's not going to cost you anything because we're for you. And that created a door opening that we're sitting talking to all of the trusts at senior levels. And we're now talking to main um, council areas right across England. Um, and that's because we've taken a very much celebrating, we're honouring people. And that's the DNA of our business. And and so that's, that's the positivity. So yes, they may have money, but let their money be spent on other things because children in care need other things. Um, they need f- social workers to be paid more so that they're more around and, and the same person is staying beside them for the whole journey and rather than getting promotions and because they need the finance. So there's a whole lot of complexities and I'd rather money go into those things because people need bags. And so we can generate the funds by people purchasing what they already need. That's brilliant. And it even gives the consumer uh, a role to play in that. I really like that. I suppose that's what social enterprises are all about, isn't it? Well, I think the, the follow-on that gives you a consumer to be involved, 
Often the model of going and asking for the funds keeps the issue within those who already know of the issue. So children in care are known within foster carers, social workers, local local trusts, those who are involved in budgets. And so if I'd have gone the route of asking them to pay and fund this, we would have just been part of the little group that already knows. But what's beautiful about what's happening with Madlog is we then go to a whole group of people who know less about it, even children and young people. So the story, the stories that come out of that is we have a, I, I hear from parents saying, my daughter got a Madlog bag sitting at the table and they've been on for the last five nights that they want to foster. Why mom and dad can't we foster? My mum and dad can't we foster. And so that is beautiful because actually we're taking the conversation. The fact that we're having this conversation this morning, you know, is all about, you know, we wouldn't be having it if it hadn't been for Madlog. And we're talking about children in care. And we're broadcasting this across. That is the, the awesomeness of what we're doing. Dave, can you tell me a wee bit about the Madlog logo? Is there a story behind that? Um. As I said at the start, when you're a youth worker, you learn to do lots with no budget and you become a jack of all trades. And so um, I've always been a fan of Apple computers because it allows me to be creative and it just works. And um, so I've always done logos, um, designed posters, made videos as part of my work. And so when I had my log and I journaled the idea, I was... I started drawing sketches and thinking of ways of doing it. And, um, and I was asking people about the, you know, what do you think? And everyone was going, yeah, I like it. I like it. I asked even some designers, but I, I met a, uh, a guy who I just had a cup of coffee with, who was just graduating from gra- as a graphic designer. Um, who's now in London. He did a bit of work with, um, Jack Wills when he when he left and um and I showed him a logo and he says, Dave, I wouldn't wear that on a bag. <laughs> um, and I remember the the pain of that <laughs> because it was one of those moments of um oh but I went away reflecting on that thinking there was there was an emotional tie to the the design that I had done and I realized that very quickly that if I actually felt that about a little logo that Mad Lug was going to be restricted in its potential of growth um, as an organization because I was getting too involved in this in the small even though logos are important um, but I was getting too involved in the in the stuff that I needed to learn to give away and and I knew to give it away involved um, a cost that was going to involve getting a, a design company to do to do that. And um, and then the learning on that was everything in business has a cost. Every decision you bring on the staff person, there's a cost. You bring you you bring in a new product line, there's a cost. You do a change your website, there's a cost. And so if if I've got to learn to involve others in the business, so that uh, and be used to that cost. So if I can't do it at a logo, I'm never going to do it anywhere else. So I went to a, a design company in, in Belfast and said, look, how much would it cost? And I remember them, them saying it'll cost, there's two options. You can do this or you can do that. Um, but we won't start until you've paid 40%. And all I had, the only money that I had for Madlug to start was the, the exact amount of the 40%. <laughs> and um, 
And I thought, well, I need this done. So we, we made a go of it. It ended up that we got the funding to finish the payment of that. And, um, and I would say now looking back, that's one of our strongest parts. How that story has been told through the branding. It's what makes the brand stand out. It's creating a, it's the, the logo itself is easily identified. And, and there's something that flows through our brand that, that is just strong. I remember though, going to them, the funny, funny story is that I remember when I was talking to Johnny, um, about it, you know, most designers like to create everything and, um, and they hate being told what to do. And I remember sitting down saying, I'm doing this thing called Madlog out in the journal. And, um, his, his words was, can we change the name? And, and looking back, I keep reminding them now of actually the name is quite strong and it, it, it draws the question is what's Madlug? Because it's a new word. And, um, <laughs> what it, is Madlug? Make a difference luggage. And the only reason I came up with it was because I could get dot com and I knew there was some little hipstery, um, computer group in the back end of America that had a little community group called, um, Madlug, which was Unis, um, I can't even remember it, but it was just small. So I knew that organically I could knock them off the top of the Google, <laughs> Google search and um, I could get the .com in it. So that's kind of how it all came about. But um, it was a bit of a fun journey, but it was the right thing because I've learned that actually buying and paying for stuff is a good model because it doesn't hit me two years, three years down the line. It's actually something that we've built the the, the business model on. And, um, and we've been helped along the way by people giving us stuff and doing stuff. But um, it's been a, a good model right down to the, the core of our business, which is the, the, the logo. That's brilliant. And I, I ask because I really actually do like your logo and there's something even about the simplicity of it. It's really nice. But the thing I like the most is it's very identifiable. It doesn't matter where I walk around in Belfast, but if, especially if you're in the Queen's Quarter, you always see people walking around with a Madlock bag. And it's like, it's like we, it's like we flags or like, you know, like a notification you get on Facebook and then there's that part of your brain that just goes bing. It's like every time I see a bad luck bag, it's just bing. Like there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. It's one of the surreal things whenever you see it, start seeing your own designs or your own bags being worn by people. So train station this morning and there's somebody standing with a mad lug bag <laughs> at the, at the, the gates as they were down and they say hello and you're not sure whether they actually know who you are. <laughs> it's, it's really weird. Um, but, um, it's, it's the other side about the design of that logo is that you kind of go as somebody who's a little bit creative, you go, why did I spend the money on that? I could have came up with that myself. So <laughs> it's all those kind of fun things about yeah. by logos. But you're right, it is identifiable and definitely stands out and helps us in creating a brand identity. Brilliant. I really liked what you were saying about learning to give away parts of your business. Um, as I you know, follow you guys on social media and stuff, it seems to be that you are doing a lot of speaking. You're doing a lot of like vision casting. You're doing a lot of talks. To be honest, you seem to be everywhere. Like you met uh, Richard Branson recently. I was like, what is going on? Um, what has that process of giving away been like for you? Was it one that was easy? Was it one that was difficult? For me, my DNA is I believe in others. And, and in some ways, the risk of that in business is that you get abused or used. So you give a lot away and then you get left in the trenches as you've been given. That's the risk. Um, is it worth taking a risk? Absolutely. So I am a, I'm a believer that just because I have a story, 
in, in Madlog doesn't mean to say that everybody needs to have my story. So yes, we need people to buy bags, 100%, because buying bags sources the funds to give children in care bags. But inside every other person, I love to encourage people to live life with their wi- eyes wide open and, and find out in life what is their black bin bag story. And it could be different. So, you know, there's a local social enterprise that started with homelessness um, and um, called Outside In. And um, we were, I was working with, with those guys a little bit. And the question kept going, want to be product, want to be product, want to be product. And, uh, you know, we kind of said, well, so what's the thing that is your black bin bag story? What is the thing that makes you stand out? And I remember sitting in, in Starbucks thinking this through and it was, I hate the fact that people walk past people who are homeless. And I remember saying, so that's your bin bag story. So your product, your business needs to create a solution to that problem. Not homelessness, but that problem. And as a result, Outside M was formed in Belfast here and um, and doing an amazing, incredible job in, in the short time that has been going. Um, because they have been able to create their giving model around dealing with their back bin bag story. Um, and it's different from ours because we can't go with the kids in care because they're minors. That makes it harder. Um, you know, it's less, we don't have to educate, they don't have to educate as easy because homeless is on the street and you see it, but we do. But I just love the fact that inside there's there's a group of people who've caught for their black bin bag story. And, um, and so when I'm speaking, I find it hard to just talk always about mad luck. I, 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 I believe Madlog is a vehicle. We, we were one of the first, um, product social enterprise one for one type businesses in, in, in Northern Ireland. And, um, and we're the first uh, one for one luggage company in the world. Um, with the bag companies and there's, there's things, but actually luggage where they're actually selling luggage and stuff. We are the first and only currently, um, uh, full luggage. But I love using that as a vehicle to shout out to people like, what's your black bin bag story? And and I just help people do that. Now, we still need people to buy bags, <laughs> simple as that, but not at a cost of, you know, losing your own story. And, and that's where I am. It's part of the youth work. I mean, it's part of the reason I went into youth work. And it's part of why I'm 45, why I've never done business before, because I've always been motivated to help people live their calling rather than just help me cool and if you could take anyone from northern ireland out for coffee dead or alive who would you take Ooh, from northern ireland i think if um there's no superstars that i would love to meet because i i actually don't generally operate that way um I love meeting people who um, just get, who are up for listening, for talking, for design. And over the last few months, I've reconnected with an old friend, um, a guy called Adrian Eagleson, um, who was a youth worker, and then he's now a business coach. And so I've met him a few times, and I just love that that time where where we talk business, we talk youth work, we talk life, and it feels just ordinary. Um, but the insight that I get from those conversations and the support 
is is invaluable and um and so that's kind of for me who i would go and choose for a cup of coffee there's many others like adrian but that's one that's just adrian over the last couple of months has been a reconnection for me in the past and um and similar age bracket and so forth and we just just for me i find it very helpful so the idea for madlug came about around 2014 if you had some sort of a time machine and could go back in time and have coffee with yourself in 2014 what advice would you would you give that that did the joys of being an entrepreneur and a visionary is that you see the end and you don't see the in-between often. And so going back, I probably would never have started <laughs> um, just because I, I saw the big picture. And now I have a greater understanding why people looked at me as if I had four heads and I was off my head, just mad. So that that for me would, um, you know, in, in all the jokes I would have still started because I was so compelled to the to the, the story and to do something about it. Looking back, I would have moved quicker in that I took a very sensible approach in getting people around me who mentored me and it took a long process and probably started with with too much of an organizational structure at a startup stage. Um, so if I was doing it again, I would probably just get a couple of friends and just run with it um, rather than go on setting committees and boards and all that stuff, which was what I was being guided to. But looking back, it probably made the thing a little more heavy and and harder to and slower in yeah. the process but i think now we're in a healthier position yeah i think there is that interesting sort of cross-section in the business world between traditional business and then this very much new lean bootstrap startup you know silicon valley sort of culture and it's interesting to see sort of where where the, the two meet each other the, the reason i took the 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 board approach and the, the incorporating early on um was i just felt in northern ireland here we are the best at supporting underdogs and we're terrible with success and that's not a criticism to our our, our culture here so the the risk is we 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 really love people who are right at the start um, and so I wanted to minimize any risk of people thinking that Dave was getting rich or the perception was that that I was I was in this for myself and not the so the the, the governance and the incorporation from the start was key to me because it meant that there was a protection to that, that I was part of something that there was governance to, there was accountability to. And um, and I was only part of the team, even though I founded it and started it, I was driving it, but I still had a board um, to hold me to account and to make those bigger decisions. And so that what we have, we've incorporated as a, a community interest company, that incorporation is a locked asset. So it's, a, it's there as a social enterprise model to allow us to trade rather than operating as a charity. But it means that any assets that are in the business are owned by children in care. So it means if we stop trading tomorrow, any assets that are there would be given to either another social enterprise or to a charity that is working with kids in care. So that that for me was protecting the long termness. And and at the, yeah, I say I wouldn't have done that. I probably would still would have done it because we we struggle with um, 
doing good and and wealth in the same question. If we were in America, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. We would just go and it doesn't matter. You can make money and you can do good. But in Northern Ireland, I felt that we needed to to have accountability, governance and structure from the start to give ourselves a chance so that we get outside of Ireland and be Northern Ireland impacting a world rather than 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 just a couple of years and then we're out. Yeah. On the note of wealth and doing good, why did I see Richard Branson with some red mad lug bags on my Instagram feed? So the Richard Branson, um, I learned a few things through that process. So Richard, the Virgin Media um, business team were in, in Belfast um, as part of their FUM tour. And I got an email saying if you, you can win £5,000 and chance to have brunch with Richard Branson, um, all you have to do is send a written pitch or a video pitch. So I penciled in the day that they were in town, that the, the, the final competition was going to be. And I entered it and thinking that I would get through. And because um, pitching is something that I've, that I've won a couple of competitions and so forth. So I thought I'd get through. Didn't get through and thought, well, it's in my diary. The worst case is I can go and sit in a coffee shop and work in Belfast that day, but I'll go down and see who got through and see if there's anything that I can learn. So I came with a, this attitude of learning. So the first thing up in um, in the, the, the at the bus when they did some kind of talks, 10, 15 minute talks, um, was crowdfunding. And I remember them saying, there's one-to-one business advisors today. If you want to talk about crowdfunding, get your name down. You can meet the, the lady who was, was doing it. So I went forward, put my name forward and says, well, it'll be 20 minutes. Can we, um, what's your business? Told the guy my business and he says, you need to talk to this person. So I got talking to a PR person in Virgin who then I got talking to the crowdfunder, loved the girl at crowdfunding, loved what we were doing. Says, you need to talk to this person, communication with Virgin. Sue, wasn't it? Sue. I, I met her too. She's unbelievable. Uh, amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, she now owns a mad log. In fact, her son took it off for 10 minutes after it arrived. <laughs> and, um, and then there was um, the guy, Chris. I got a conversation with him. And at the end of the day, I didn't win a competition. I didn't get £5,000. But as I was leaving... The film team that were with Virgin came over and says, we hear you've got a great story. Would you sign that waiver and can we shoot your shoot your pitch? So that was the start of it. And I thought, well, that was a win. That, that was a, just a good day. Now Virgin have got, are made aware of Mad Lug and it's getting people talking about it as a win. Let's go back and do two things. But what happened was I was then on holidays and as a startup, you tell, you tell, you know, you work lots of hours. So I told my wife, I'm going on holidays to France. First holiday we've had in a few years um, outside of the UK. I'll not work. I got things in place to help operational here so that I could get totally free of, of Madlog. An email came through in the, on the on the Saturday um, off the off the the in between the two weeks, and um, it says chance to get back in the game. Win a thousand pounds. And have brunch with Richard Branson. I, I read nothing else because it was really poor Wi-Fi. It was 3G, it was very slow, drained your battery. So I thought, well, I'll, all you have to do is 60 second pitch. I'll just do it. So I took my iPad. My wife went to get the laundry. <laughs> and in that 10 or 15 minutes, she was away getting the laundry. I did one take of the pitch. 
I felt like it was Richard Branson because it was clear skies in the background <laughs> and I was sitting on the iPad and um, I remember taking it and then just going, okay, that's that's all I can do right now. The next day, I was at the shopping centre, it had free Wi-Fi, uploaded it and thought, well, a few weeks I might hear from it, that's the, the case. The Tuesday, when I was in France, I got um, this email saying, need to talk to you. And then I checked my Facebook and Madlog was finalist. <laughs> to find out that I was coming home to have five days to put a crowdfunder together for a competition. Now, crowdfunding is one of those things where you meet with people with investment, you get the big pledges first, then you get people following where the success is. I came home to having volunteers who were out of the country. They were on teams. They were they were traveling and thought, how on earth am I going to do that? And the bottom line is I'm dyslexic, so writing is really hard work. And I remember um, sitting down thinking, I've got to do this. So I sat for a week, saw no sunlight and just worked. And a few people helped me out in doing some, some um, posts, Facebook posts and so forth. And we put it together and I went live on Facebook and said, we need to raise £10,000 in the first 72 hours because that was who won the £1,000, those who won. So I sprinted about half an hour. We were £5,000 ahead of any of the competitors. We were sitting at £7,500. I had nowhere else to go. <laughs> it was last and um, it was just, I, I maxed out in the, in the 72 hours, which 7500 is mad at that. Two of the competitors came in with £6,000 pledges in about 10 minutes before we closed. That resulted in us not getting the £1,000 and I thought the competition was over. The, comp- the, the competitor who got the £1,000 stopped raising any money for the remainder of the four weeks um, and got their money. The person who came second didn't get any money because he didn't reach their target and we were third. But we finished off in the four-week campaign with £24,500. So I was like, that's great. We can grow this. We can. There's a bit of scalability here. We have 300 people now supporting us. We're, we're, on, we're on board here. We're, this is good. Um, but what ended up, without me realizing, was we actually won out of all of the competitors <laughs> of the few months that this, program, this competition ran. We were the ones who actually achieved the most. And so on that, we got invited to have brunch with Richard Branson. So I heard on a Friday I had to be in London for Thursday. <laughs> and um, it was the sort of thing I wasn't going to say no to. And it was incredible. It was the first time in a, in, that I've come across somebody who I've looked up to that I haven't been disappointed, even in the least disappointed, that everything that you read about, everything that you, you, you find out about Virgin, that culture was right there from the executive team, staff team, right through to how he himself um, met with us. And we had about an hour, an hour and a half of his time and then some photographs and stuff after. So that's how it ended up. And um, it was an exciting, great opportunity. And hopefully it's not the first. <laughs> and key takeaway from meeting him in, in terms of interactions with him? I, th- I think the the key takeaway was just how he learned very early on to delegate. So where I would see a lot of similarities and where I, where I look to him and go, wow, I would love to have this character of giving away and, and, and 
you know, delegating is he is dyslexic and I'm dyslexic and I know my limitations and that sometimes frustrates me because it's like I just want people around and that he has learned to accept that. In fact, he said to celebrate that because it's it's taught him how to delegate and I I come away thinking, yeah, that's that's I want to do that. I want to, and I and I am doing that. That's the kind of business that we're growing, that I'm growing. To be a, a one that is not just Dave with all the answers, but team right at the heart of what we do. What is your go-to Mad Luck bag? Do you have a favorite? I suppose it's like picking your favorite child at this point, but which one would you use the most personally yourself? Um, currently, I'm using the the laptop, and a, a reason I'm using that is. Um, it was the least used. Uh, I was never a big fan personally of the one strap over the shoulder messenger type. And, but I felt that if I was going to sell it, I needed to use it. And I, I started using it and I love it. It's got a lot of, a lot of space in it. I would say my favorite still is the classic backpack. I just love a backpack and I love <laughs> it simple, the simple one pocket design. And color. What about color? Um, I've, I've done the, the beauty of this is that you become, um, a bit of a bag geek so I love <laughs> I, and you, and when you run a bag company you can generally change and try out so um, I started off with the with the green classic when we first launched and um, all the photographs at that stage were green backpacks <laughs> and actually that was our best seller not because I was wearing it because I'm such a trendsetter but um, it was the one that had all the photographs um, then I moved into, we brought a bright range out. Then a few months later, I moved into the orange. And I remember the first day thinking, I'm 40 something here. And like, this is bright. And I went to a coffee shop, but I actually became to love the, the bright bag. It just was, was who I am. Um, and then I moved to a royal blue in the new 2017 range and then into the, the laptop. The, the, the bag I, I really love, but I don't use a lot because it's, it's, a, it's a gym bag and I'm, I'm not at the gym that often. But I'm also, um, it's great for overnights, is the, the classic gym bag. Quality is amazing. The look, the feel, um, it's a bargain and actually the price of it when you start to compare it with other stuff in the market. But it's, it's not your everyday bag. And um, that would be my favorite made, favorite looking mm-hmm. bag that we sell. Cool. How can our listeners find out more about Madlog or connect with you guys? So the, the simple way is we're an online business. So www.madlog.com. So it's not hard to remember. Um, our, our social media is We Are Madlog. Um, right throughout Instagram, Twitter, and, and Facebook. So connect with us online, madlog.com, through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and sign up for our scrapbook because that's where you'll get the best um, news about what we are doing. Brilliant. David, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right, folks, Matthew here again real quick just before the show ends. Just want to give a massive thank you to Dave for taking the time out to share his story with us, along with his vision, story, and everything else about Madlug. I absolutely love Madlug, big fan of it, think it's a really, really great concept and really think it's going to do big things in the future. Uh, that was actually my Christmas present this year. It was a Madlug bag. It was the hand luggage edition they have, a nice black one. And it's perfect because you can take it on Ryanair and all the other major airlines. 
So big fan of the product, big fan of the cause. And now after that conversation, a big fan of Dave as well. If you'd like to find out more from Dave, you can find all the Madlog stuff on the website, www.madlog.com. And then you have social media, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. It's just search for Madlog as well. Again, just a small favor to ask. And that would be if you listen to the show on iTunes, I'd really love it if you could leave a review with some feedback, how you like the show and some potential new guests that you'd like to hear their story. Other than that, as always, the intro and outro music is from the awesome Belfast-based band Wanderers, and it is their song, Light It Up. You can check them out on Spotify and YouTube. Just search for Light It Up Wanderers. You can also get them on Instagram at WanderersNI. That's it for me, guys. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. Hope you really enjoy it. Can't wait till next month to bring you another one. And until then, I wish you all the very best. Cheers.